Arizona Sports, the local sports leader. Yeah, could I have a number three with cheese and uh, a large coffee? And does this smell good? Wolfing down your lunch. <laughs> Serving up today's top sports stories with Wolf and Lou. Hey, boys. Presented by Stadium Swim at Circa Resort and Casino, Las Vegas' ultimate sports fan destination. Noon on a Tuesday, it is, uh, it's time for Wolf and Down Your Lunch. All of today's top sports stories in one place. Aaron Maloney is here. Aaron? So the Phoenix Suns will play the Clippers in the first round of the NBA playoffs with Game 1 being on Sunday. So here's Suns analyst Eddie Johnson from Wolf and Luke yesterday. When you go into the playoffs, you know the unknown is going to jump up. But do you have enough ammunition to make up for something that does jump up on you? A couple of years ago, Chris Paul went down, campaign stepped in, and we were still able to hold our own against the L.A. Clippers. So for me, I feel good about what we have going into the playoffs. And now it's just about, you know, who can persevere and who can stay healthy. That's all I've ever thought about as an athlete is like, do I have soldiers with me? And no matter what happens, can we persevere and do we have the ability to fight through anything? And this team does. And so that's why I'm excited about the playoffs and, and what we have in front of us. So what is your reaction after hearing what EJ said? I thought, honestly, that that was, I mean, he said a lot of good stuff yesterday, but that was the, the quote that stood out to me, too, of do you have the, the pieces when things go wrong? Because they will go wrong in the playoffs. Nothing ever is just smooth sailing through the playoffs. And obviously the reference point to campaign a couple years ago in the Western Conference Finals is spot on because they don't make it to the NBA Finals two years ago if campaign doesn't step up in those first two games. Boy, that is that is a great observation, no doubt about it. You know, for me, what is going to rear its head is going to be the physicality, and it's going to start from the very first series. This is this is going to be good. I think this is going to be a competitive series. Much more. Six or seven games. I, I know there's not a lot of NBA analysts that believe that. I just believe that the Clippers are a team that can come out and be physical. I think they think that this is how you beat the Phoenix Suns. Be physical with them. That, to me, how the Suns respond to that is going to determine how they do in this series. The NBA play-in tournament gets underway tonight. First in the East, it'll be the Heat hosting the Hawks. Then later in the West, the Lakers taking on the Timberwolves. Who do you guys have in those matchups? Well, you know, I, I do think the Timberwolves are dangerous because I still think Anthony Edwards flies a little under the radar compared to just how good he is. But, <laughs> I mean, they're missing Rudy Gobert and they're missing Jaden McDaniels, and they probably have a weird vibe around the team right now. So I, I'll take the Lakers in that one, and I'll take, I'll, I'm always going to take Jimmy Butler in a game where the other team's not anything amazing. So I'll, yeah. I'll go Heat Lakers tonight. No, that's that's exactly what I'd go with as well. It's interesting because both those teams, I do believe, have culture. Culture that has been uh, disjointed a little bit this year, but culture nonetheless. And I think in the end, to your point, I'm going to pick the exact same teams. I don't think it would be crazy if we're in here tomorrow though and Anthony Edwards just went off in Minnesota. Shocked everybody. 
I mean, I guess by by the nature of it being a shocking win. But I mean, they finished what one game behind the Lakers this year. Now I know the Lakers are a much different team. Yeah. Uh, picking the Lakers, but I'm just saying, yeah. I don't think it's inconceivable Minnesota would win. Well, and don't forget, LeBron has already crowned himself on Sunday. Remember? Oh yeah, I forgot about that. The NFL draft is inching closer and closer, and this morning, ESPN's Mel Kiper Jr. released his latest mock draft as he's the Cardinals making a trade with the Titans and moving back to number 11 to draft... Tyree Wilson, Edge, Texas Tech. Versatility is the name of Wilson's game. He spent most of his time playing outside linebacker while at Texas Tech, leading the Red Raiders in sacks despite an injury-shortened season. But scouts project he will do better in the NFL as a defensive end. His massive wingspan is his signature physical attribute, paired with his six foot six, two hundred seventy-five pound frame. Scouts say there's room for improvement in his speed and agility as he is not all that quick to change directions on the field, but they think he has what it takes to be an impact rotational player right away. NFL comp, Ziggy Ansa. So in this mock scenario, Tennessee would send Arizona picks number 11 and 41 in this draft, plus a 2024 first round selection and likely either a 2025 first or second rounder as well. <laughs> so, would you make that deal? I think you have to, and I also... Oh. If we're watching the Cardinals, the only the only signings they're really making are like one year deals. That would sort of set the stage for hey, we're gonna just stockpile picks, draft a bunch of guys, see where this uh, where the, where some of them go, and then we have flexibility because we had a bunch of one year deals. We'll get back into this later on in the show, Wolf. But what what that specific trade allows the Cardinals to do, even just in the second round of this year's draft in Mel Kuyper's mock draft, yeah, you you see the doors it opens. Otherwise, everything hinges on Will Anderson being amazing. Yeah. Um, first of all, I'd do I'd have to do that deal if that was it. I know that hurts. If you. that was in the draft compensation, I would have to say okay. <laughs> We're going to move back to number 11. We'll take that right now. I, and then cross would, your fingers, Will Anderson drops eight oh spots. Oh, <laughs> my goodness. No, that yeah, that is not going to happen right there. Then just cross but your fingers he doesn't go to Seattle at five. Here, here's the incredible thing about it. I could see it happening because somebody is going to fall in love with Anthony Richardson. Somebody, somebody's going to do it. It happens every year. You just look at a human being who's 6'4", 244 pounds, who can run a 4'4". <laughs> All right? You're just going to look at a guy who's got a cannon for an arm. Forget about the fact he can only complete 53% of his passes. Forget about that junk. We don't care. Look at everything else this guy. Plus how good he sounds when he speaks. Look how high he can <laughs> jump. Because, you know, quarterbacks are always jumping. He's a humble guy. Oh, my goodness. This guy, ladies and gentlemen, there's somebody that will fall in love with Anthony Richardson. Already has. And is looking at that number three. And he's coveting that number three. And will be willing to do it. Watch. Zach Allen put together his strongest start of the year to help the D-backs win their fourth straight game. They shut out the Brewers last night 3-0. Here's Tori Labello after the game. Yeah, today it was all about um, Zach Allen. You know, what can you say? Seven unbelievable innings, um, 11 strikeouts, um, three hits, low pitch count. It was just one of those days where everything was was going for him. And, and he was never out of any county. Get himself right back into it with any pitch, any time. I just thought it was one of those typical Zach outings that 
you just sit back and enjoy the ride because those are, those are fun games for everybody to watch. Source Sanderson Ford poll question is up now at ArizonaSports.com, and it asks, what is your confidence level in the Diamondbacks after their 7-4 and four start? Your choices. Wolf, I feel like this one's for you. Plan the parade. <laughs> Very encouraged. Looks like a playoff contender. Cautiously optimistic it's a long season or skeptical they can keep it up. Uh, you can put me down for very encouraged looks like a playoff contender. So far they've been about exactly what I was hoping. Uh, they've, you know what? They've been better. To, to go through those yeah. first 10 games and be 6-4 and four, and, and now to be 7-4 and four and Zach Allen look right. But I, I, it, that's where the fact it's only 11 games kicks in. So I'll go very encouraged. Looks like a playoff contender, which is what I thought before the season. But this is really driving that point home now with their play on the field. No, that's exactly what I would answer as well. Very encouraged. Looks like a playoff team. Granted, it's only through 11 games. I understand that. It's a great thing about the game of baseball. It is a marathon. It's not it out of nowhere, grind. though. You know what I mean? I don't feel like this is just completely True. out of nowhere. Yes, because of last year and what we saw last year and the fact that guys are definitely growing and developing doing it before our very eyes. Yeah, I would agree with that, but still the great thing about professional sports, it's a meritocracy. you got to go out and you've got to prove it. And that's exactly what they've done through 11 games. Let's see 11 more, please. So 66% say cautiously optimistic. It's a long season. 19% very encouraged. Looks like a playoff contender. 11% skeptical they can keep it up. And 5% plan the parade. Alright, I guess that's fair. I mean, yeah. we're in the group that's uh, that's in the minority there, or one of the but cautiously optimistic it's a long season. That's an overwhelming lead. Well, I, I don't know, though, if you were to answer the question, how, how you want to answer it, very encouraged, looks like a playoff team. Yeah. I mean, based on how they've played and who they've played? Yeah. Well, that's you and me. And good teams. 19% of, of Again, just 11 games. I get that. But, man, how do they not look like a playoff team through 11 games? All right, that was Wolfing Down Your Lunch. Thank you, Aaron. As always, when we come back, did the Suns dodge the Warriors in the first round on purpose? We'll get into that next. It's Wolf and Luke on Arizona Sports, the local sports leader. Arizona Sports, the local sports leader. Wolf and Luke. Suns run to the playoffs coverage. Brought to you by Canvas Annuity. Score up to 6.25% on your retirement savings. Well, I have good news, Wolf. Okay. Yeah, I don't know what the temperature was set at when we walked in here after the morning show. But at some point in the show, Wolf's like, you know, it's kind of warm in here. I'm going to turn the air down. And you did. And it was 74 warm. degrees in here. It, it, well, first of all, I think that, that uh, thermometer or whatever it's called is off. Thermostat. I think that's off. Well, yeah, exactly, because when it's 70 degrees, it's freezing. Yes, and when it's like 72, it's 110. Yes. So at some point, you decided to turn it down. I was like, oh, that's a good call. you got to turn it down. It's too warm here. And then like eight minutes later, there were icicles growing on the ceiling, and like the door was frozen shut. And you really feel it when you walk out, and you walk back in, and there's like a gust of cold air. So I fixed it, so we're good now for the rest of the show. Yeah, you know what? We ought to call emergency air. <laughs> and that's not the <laughs> way to work that in. Uh, to the Phoenix Suns, who, however you want to use the phrasing, uh, avoided the Golden State Warriors, dodged the Golden State Warriors, just aren't playing the Golden State Warriors, whatever. In round one, they're playing the Clippers. They're not playing the Warriors. Uh, to your point earlier, Wolf, 
Golden State did not look like a team that was trying to avoid the Phoenix Suns. They won both their games over the weekend, both road games where they hadn't won at all all season. They were nine and thirty going into the the final weekend of the season on the road. Now they're eleven and thirty. Um, so they didn't seem to have any interest in trying to avoid the Suns. Do you think the Suns maybe tried to avoid them? <laughs> yeah, I do. Uh, I do. You know, again, I'd love to hear Monty Williams talk about this. Uh, I think the Suns dodged the Warriors. I mean, if they beat the Clippers, they would have played Golden State, right? Because Golden State won their game. They were leading by 31 points at the half. Yeah, they were pretty uh, And emphatic. the Suns knew it. Yeah, I'm, oh, I'm sure they did. If they wanted to know, they knew. But instead of, you know, going out and playing their core four and managing their minutes in this game, they they didn't play them against the Clippers, which makes me think they wanted to play the Clippers. I think this is one of those things that, A, certainly if I'm the Clippers, I'm looking at it the way you are. This team wanted us in the first round of the playoffs. See, that's so critical. Yeah, that's it. They are looking at it that way. Yeah. They're all... Oh, I see. I see what you were doing. You just, if you would have beat us, you would have played the Warriors. Warriors! 1979 movie called The Warriors. Okay, there it is. Of course. I I knew that. You didn't. You forgot the title to that. I did at that point in time. Yes, I did. Okay. (laughs) It's the only reason I know it because we had to look it up. But I digress right now because honestly, uh, I think the Warriors are going, I mean, the Clippers are going to take this. And um, they're going to use it as fuel. They're going to use it as motivation. Why wouldn't you? They, the Suns didn't want to play the Warriors. Or the, they wanted to play us in the first round. And maybe you could logically understand that as a player, but don't tell me you're not going to use that. And I think the Clippers will. I think the Suns were in a position where they wanted to rest guys, and they also knew in the back of their minds, hey, if we rest guys, probably a better chance we avoid the defending champs in the first round of the playoffs. I I don't think it was so clear-cut of, well, we can't play the Warriors. I think it was we want to rest guys up, and this is what happens. I I referenced this with with K-Ray yesterday because uh, going back to the Dallas thing, I was reading something in the Dallas paper yesterday before the show, and they were talking about how the Mavericks sat all their players and they were resting guys at the end of the season with the playoff spot on the line. And their response was, well, you know, other teams rested guys, too. And they referenced the Bulls and a couple of teams that were already in the playoffs, right. which is completely different. Yeah. Like the Suns were resting guys because they have playoff games coming up. Would I have done it? Probably not. But they did. I don't think it was specifically to avoid the Warriors. But you also can't convince me they weren't aware that they were probably going to avoid the Warriors by doing it. Yeah, and there's a, there's a lot of people out there that will say, well, that, that was smart, Wolf, and I'm with you on that. I, I totally get it. You know, you'd rather face the Clippers than the Warriors, and I do. I, I get that. But here we go. I'm sorry. I, I am coming from a perspective where I was a professional athlete <laughs> a long, long time ago, basic audience, but it drives me crazy. I mean, to be the best, you got to beat the best. What kind of psychological imprint does this leave on a player when you're trying to dodge somebody in the first round? That's all I'm saying. That's, if, if it makes it look like you're just trying to, hey, listen, if it was the other way around, would you have sat your players, the core four? Would you have sat them if it was the other way around that you would play the Clippers? See, I think they would have. And that that's that's where I I still think the Suns were going to sit their guys no matter what. 
But I don't think they're upset that they're dodging the Warriors. Okay, yeah. yeah and I, listen, I, I get it because you could say injuries. Injuries, Wolf, are you kidding me? You, you want to risk KD going down out there? I, I, You can't play scared. You can't play scared. You, you can't manage scared. You can't play scared. You can't coach scared. You can't do it. And that, as a former professional athlete, that's the perspective I'm going to have, and I'm never going to change. Well, you could you could spin that forward to a lot of life, right? I'm sure everybody has moments in life where they're like, "Man, I, you know, if I had just like gone for it there, I wouldn't. I, instead of playing scared, I'd maybe be a lot happier. I'd be a lot happier about this or whatever." So I think that's one of those life lessons that sports teaches you. But it also gets lost in the world of sports a lot now where maybe maybe people need to relearn the lesson in sports. The good news, Wolf, is we're in the playoffs now. Right. And in the playoffs, generally speaking, teams don't manage scared. I'm not even saying that that's what the Suns did. But but I, I once they rested those guys on, on Friday, it was pretty clear to me they weren't bringing them back on Sunday. And and I'm, I lean more with you. I said this on Friday. I would rather... Build up this chemistry as much as you can. It's not like your team has played together. Yeah. And every team in the NBA does it, and I don't like it. You know, again, no, it's not like the Warriors rested their guys. They did not. That's true. That's true. And um, I would just follow their model this time of year, to be honest. <laughs> yes. Yeah, and, and again, that is that is the reason why I, I just... Hey, you know what? We're going to play. We're going to try to win every game. That's what we're going to do. We're going to try to win every game. And we play who we play. And if it happens to be the Warriors in the first round, I I don't know about you, but man, I'd like that. I, I, as a player, hey, these guys, this is a dynasty that is right in front of us right now. Let's go through it. Brothers, look at me. Let's go through it. Let's do this together. Right through this dynasty in the very first round. Let's go. If, if we're going to win a championship, we're going to have to beat teams like this. I The challenge well, is... Well, and the jump ah, you would get if you beat them in the first round. Yeah, absolutely. If you, be, just, if, you, if, if you beat the Warriors in the first I, round, how good do you feel about the second, third, and fourth rounds? I, you know, I, you don't want to get complacent ever. But the one thing you're not going to do is psychologically Jedi mind trick yourself. Hey, listen, call it the way that it is. See it the way that it is. Yeah, this is going to be a hard first round because we're we're drawing the Warriors. And you know what? I'd have it no other way. Why not think that way? Text us your thoughts to the FanDuel text line at 620-620 right now. When we come back, did the Diamondbacks' most important player get back on track last night? We'll get into it. It's Wolf and Luke on Arizona Sports, the local sports leader. Wolf and Luke Middays, Arizona Sports, the local sports leader. Uh, D-backs now... Seven and four, Wolf. They just flashed a stat up on one of the TVs in here that Gabriel Moreno has thrown out every player that's tried to steal a base on him this season. Now, it's it's not like 80. We're only 11 games into the season. He hasn't played in every game, but still. And we don't even talk about that component of the defense. We just talk about how the outfield pretty much gobbles up everything that's out there when (laughs) McCarthy and Thomas and Carroll are playing. Um, Last night was... 
was a, a a real good sign too that Zach Gallon. I don't think anybody was worried about Zach Gallon, but he didn't just have a good game; he was dominant and goes through and strikes out eleven, gives up three hits. I always think back to what D-backs pitching coach Brent Strom said. Uh, I was at one of the games. I don't know if it was last year or the year before. It must have been last year. And he said when he took the job with the D-backs, one of his good friends in the business immediately said, if you don't turn Zach Gallon into a Cy Young winner, you're doing something wrong. <laughs> and, uh, and that was before Zach Gallon had his yeah. six straight games last year where he didn't give up a run. And uh, look, we all see it. I don't think it takes, I mean, at this point, I don't think Zach Gallon pitching well surprises any D-backs fans, but that was still good to see that last night. Yeah, it was, Luke. No doubt about it. Um, I, I think we'd all agree that that first series against the Dodgers, that four-game series where the Diamondbacks split that series, two games apiece, right? Mm -hmm. I think that was big, but the way they did it didn't really seem too sustainable. And the reason why I say that is because in those two wins, they scored two runs. Yeah, that's not going to (laughs) work. That's not going to fly for the most part. So I think what happened from that point forward, I think watching them right now, one of the best trends, there are two that I see. The ability to score runs with two outs, number one, is one of the best trends this team has generated in the first 11 games. you got to be kidding me how many runs they've scored with two outs. Um, The second trend is Zach Allen, and again, one's a point, two's a trend, three's a pattern. So he hasn't done it yet, but Zach Allen taking the ball and going out and being dominant, that's the first time, that is the first time a Diamondback starter, in my opinion, has taken the ball and been dominant. That is true. That And that is something right there that you want to cultivate, and you want to see that grow going forward. Well, and Milwaukee came into that game last night, what, 7-2? and two? I mean, they've got some hitters on that team. And when Zach Gallen is on, it, it doesn't typically matter who the hitters are on the other team. Now, you know, you go back to the first game, and he struggled against the Dodgers. All right, big deal. A lot, a lot of guys struggle against the Dodgers, yeah. and they struggle against the Padres. Okay, nobody again. Nobody was like panicked. We had what did we had uh, Derek Hall on. We had Mike Hazen on. They were both like, okay, well, the one thing I'm not worried about is is, is Zach Gallon, um, and, and I get that. But you you have to remember too. This is there's a little bit of a backdrop to this season, right? There's a pitch clock. Things are different. <laughs> I, it, I mean that that impacts different guys in different ways. I don't think anybody was worried that Zach Gallon wasn't going to be good. But they probably need him to be dominant to make the playoffs. And last night, he was dominant. Yeah, no, I think you're right about that. They need him to be dominant. But they need a lot of guys to to be who they are. And when I say that, I think of Christian Walker, first and foremost. I think of Christian Walker. He, he's the one legitimate power guy I think they have on the team. A guy that you expect to go out and hit home runs. That's what you expect him to do. Play a great first base, gold glove winner that he is, and then go out and hit home runs. Not only that, be the mentor that we need you to be inside that clubhouse as well. To me, they've got this great combination of young guys trying to make their way at the highest level our species can generate. What a great thing that is. What an exciting thing that is to watch the Diamondbacks, to watch these young kids try to carve out a career going forward. I love it. But you need you need a foundation. You need the Christian Walkers, if you will, the Zach Gallons, 
You need guys that are pros inside that clubhouse. Guys that will allow these young kids to go out and compete and continue to develop and yet have that foundation, so to speak. Mike Hazen told us last year, when you know, towards the end of the season, we were talking about the young players all the time. He said, you know, one of the keys for us now going forward is making sure we have the right vets in the right spots. And so I always think of that when whenever Evan Longoria does anything well because, right. because they went out and got Evan Longoria, but also Christian Walker. I mean, that's not somebody you went out and got. But you're right. If he if he's struggling right in the heart of that order, and he's a guy that at least has some experience at this level, like you know, a, a lot of experience now, relatively, then that would really throw everything off. Because, yes. because they are mostly a young team, at least in terms of position players. And so they, yeah, they got to have a good season from Christian Walker. He doesn't have to be, he doesn't have to win MVP. He doesn't have to be Freddie Freeman. He doesn't have to be Mike Trout, but he's, he's got to be basically, like you said, he's got to be what he is. He's got to be what he was last year. And, and he's coming up big. Here's Tori Lovello after the game, uh, last night talking about Christian Walker. Yesterday, I know he's frustrated and I had to go back and, and look at the at bats and, you know, he hit a hard double into right center field and walked and I don't think that's a very bad day but he's such a perfectionist and I think you know he he wears it for everybody to see when he's not happy but um, he he just can impact the game at any time and he's always one swing away from me he's just got he's got a beautiful swing a beautiful approach and he's always close even when he misses he's close and um, he clipped the ball today it was, it was a really impressive swing you hit a ball that far opposite field you, you're doing a lot right in your swing yeah, you know, and once again, um, it's not just Christian Walker that they need to step up and be the anchor of this team as well. They need guys like Cattell Marte. It's good to see Cattell Marte starting to come around in proof of life, so to speak, metaphorically. And Evan Longoria, you brought him up as well. Nick Ahmed, you know, here we go. Um, some guys that are, are veterans some guys that are hardcore leaders inside that clubhouse, you need them to step up and set the tone. And they certainly did that last night. D-backs now uh, at home scoring, it's, I get it, it's early, but 6.8 runs per game, second only to Tampa Bay, who is undefeated right now. But, you know, you, you brought up that first series against the Dodgers where they scored two, then two, then one, then two. And, yeah, you, you come out of that with a split, but you feel fortunate, not lucky, because they earned the two wins. But you just you feel fortunate that you scored with seven runs in a four game series and managed to come out with a split. But since then, they have really started to to find ways to score, and and, and it's not it's obviously not home run dependent because they're not really a home run hitting team right now. They have some. They're not like you know grossly deficient in home runs, but that's not how they're generating their offense. Yeah, and especially too because the two games they won against the Dodgers in that first um series of the season. You got to remember it wasn't like their pitcher, their starter went out there and suddenly was dominant. It really doesn't make sense that they won <laughs> you know, those two games. It really series. doesn't. No, it does not. How they won those two games, you're, you're, you're marveling at that. But you know what? I, I can't help it, Luke. When I look back, I look back at those two games that they were able to win 2-1 against the Dodgers. I look back at that when their starter did not have a dominant performance. And I think those two games in that series in particular, the very first series of the season, I think it gave them a lot of confidence. 
And again, I'm not talking about Evan Longoria. I'm not talking about Cattell Marte, Christian Walker, Nick Ahmed. I'm talking about the young guys. That matters. What is going on with Tampa, by the way? They're 10-0. and The Diamondbacks, I'm just looking you know, to see where they are home run-wise. They've hit nine. The D-backs have hit nine home runs. Okay, yeah. so that, you know, That's the bottom tier of the league right now. Tampa Bay's hit 25 home runs. Nobody else is even above 20 except the Dodgers. Most teams are at like 11. <laughs> What's going on with Tampa scary Bay? Scary is on the wall, Luke. Scary is on his way. Uh, the Phoenix Suns are back in the playoffs. We are giving you the chance to score the hottest ticket in town, and that, of course, is Suns playoff tickets. Just text TICKET to 620-620, register, and then listen for your name during the 7 a.m., 12 p.m., and 5 p.m. hours starting tomorrow for your chance to qualify for Game 1 tickets. See the Suns take on the Clippers this weekend. Again, that's TICKET to 620-620. And the NBA playoffs start tonight with a couple play-in games. The Timberwolves have any chance of knocking the Lakers down into that uh, that matchup for the 8th seed? We'll get into that next. It's Wolf and Luke on Arizona Sports, the local sports leader. Arizona Sports, the local sports leader. Wolf and Luke. Suns run to the playoffs coverage. Brought to you by Canvas Annuity. Score up to 6.25% on your retirement savings. Well, we have playoff basketball tonight. Play-in basketball, I don't know. We have postseason basketball tonight, Wolf. One game in particular, pretty compelling, I would imagine, to most uh, Suns fans. With all due respect to the Heat-Hawks game over in the Eastern Conference. You do have Timberwolves-Lakers tonight. And again, as a refresher course for everybody, it's not like the loser of that game is out. But you don't want to lose that game. Because then you're in a one-and-done against either Oklahoma City or New Orleans later on this week. So uh, you're you're a Minnesota fan if you if you don't like the Lakers. I'm guessing most of the audience doesn't. But, you know, Minnesota has got some own, some of their own problems right now. I don't know that they're <laughs> they're well equipped to beat this LA team tonight. What honestly can you imagine the set of circumstances that have befallen the Minnesota T-Wolves? Self-inflicted. Are you kidding me? Rudy Gobert taking a swing, and he's, you know what? You're suspended one game. I, I, I what? Let's pause what on is that he for doing? a second. Like, what is he doing? Imagine if you're Minnesota, and you traded four first-round picks. Oh, my goodness. And a pick swap, and young players, like Jared Vanderbilt was in there, Walker Kessler, there's a couple others, to Utah for Rudy Gobert. So you're obviously on some level, you're going all in now with that trade, and in the biggest game of the season, he puts you in a position where you have to suspend him. It's not like the league suspended him. He attacks his own teammate on the bench. And if you see the footage, he just kind of runs away from it. But that's enough where they have to suspend the guy they just traded all that for with essentially their season on the line tonight. Okay, so, so that worked again, out. When you, when you see Rudy Gobert take a swipe at his teammate and then walk away, woof. What 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 did you think when you saw it? He, he, what did you think, Luke Lipinski, he, he backed away when from you it. saw it. Like if he you watch it, away he takes it. a swing. Obviously, everybody they're all there on the bench, so they all kind of get in the way, and he just kind of backs away from it. 
It's like, okay, well, you started it. Yes. <laughs> like, what are you going to do? I'm sure Kyle Anderson said something you didn't like. Yes. I don't think you just went up and punched him. But you escalated it to the point where now you're getting suspended and your team's at a major disadvantage against Anthony Davis and LeBron tonight. Yeah, you know what? Uh, here, here's what's amazing about that right now. Um, everybody else saw it too, Rudy. All of your teammates right there saw it as well. I I don't know about the future of Rudy Gobert in Minnesota well, yet. I'm trying they to gave figure up out everything how in for the world. Him. Right. You yeah. gave up all of that. Can you imagine that? Being in that situation right now where many, many of Rudy Gobert's teammates are looking at him like he is a feckless coward. Yeah. You never want to be a feckless coward. Never. You want to have all your fecks in order. No, yeah. you do not want to be that. You don't. Some venal pettifogger, a corruptible quibbler. You don't want to be that not even in front those. of your teammates. When you think about it again, this is this matters. Um would you say that the NBA is a hyper aggressive alpha male paradigm? It is. Believe it or not, it's not nearly as physical as the National Football League or the NHL. There's no denying that. It is physical, though, and never forget that that matters. The athleticism, the explosion, and the physicality still exists where your temperance level and your aggressiveness matters. I just think it's going to be awkward now because of what you just said and and, and through the lens of they they gave up they gave up way too much at the time for him well before this i mean i, I remember i remember when that trade happened i think it was in vegas and and the, everybody was just like what like not only did you rip yourselves off to get rudy gobert but you also set this trade market that's unrealistic for other teams. I remember talking about this through the lens of KD when that was a, yep. a, a trade possibility in the summer. If you're the Suns, what are you supposed to do? Because Brooklyn's going to say, well, they just got four first-rounders and a first-round pick swap and players for Rudy Gobert. There's not you, – you can't legally give us enough for Kevin Durant in that situation. So to do that, I mean, I just – I think like today, what is the, what is the practice facility like? For Minnesota, they know they're going out there in a play-in situation, and they probably see Rudy Gobert at the practice facility, and they're like, hey, thanks for, A, taking a swing at our teammate, uh, and, B, not being available tonight. Yeah. So, like, if they win tonight, I guess it's fine, ultimately. But if they lose tonight, and he comes back, and they're playing New Orleans or Oklahoma City, and they lose that one, and they're eliminated? Yes. See, I want to make this really, really clear, though. It's not that he took a swing at his teammate. That happens, look. You know the way I feel about this, Yeah, but man. the timing, but timing. Don't do it in game 82 when you're winning it, it the game. It was not just the timing. It was the backup right, yeah, as that's... well, once again. Hey, if you're really going to, were you trying to soccer him? Is that what you were trying to do? Yeah. That's what I'm talking about right now. Um, it can have a real impact on that locker room. And that's what you've got to be careful of. That's what I think more than anything else. You want to talk about repairing this. How do you repair it? If, you, if you're the T-Wolves, um, you start by the players inside that locker room. Well, I, I think hashing it out. You got to be talking about it. Too. I mean, this probably speaks to something bigger because. Why is Kyle Anderson yelling at Rudy Gobert? 
to even get to that point. Like I'm not I'm not just what Rudy Gobert That's does. A great observation. But yes. Gobert's playing hurt. You have Kyle Anderson doing that. You have Jaden McDaniels break his own hand after after you know he's walking off the court later. So I it, it's hard to think like oh you know this one this, these five seconds got away from the Timberwolves. They got everything else all buttoned up. It sure doesn't feel like it. Here's their head coach Chris Finch after the game. It's very frustrating. You know, a couple blown assignments. Um, a lot on the line tonight, you know. Not, we're not proud of that behavior by anybody. Um, uh, you know, we really haven't dug too far into like the root cause of it. But guys are just frustrated. We weren't playing well. We weren't sharing the ball. We weren't, you know, we're getting beat in all the little areas. I mean, we look sluggish. Like you deal on a back to back. But I think the gravity of the game made made it feel like you know we were. Um, in a little bit of panic mode, and we, you know, just trying to get calmed down there. So. This is a team that, at full strength, could beat the Lakers certainly. Yeah. Right? And maybe they even right. pull it off anyway. Anthony Edwards is that good, and Carl Anthony Towns. But you now you're playing without Jaden McDaniels. You're playing without Rudy Gobert, and you're also playing without Nas Reed, who I think is one of the more underrated players in the NBA. That's just not setting yourself up for success going into a play-in situation. Just listening to Chris Finch right there, though, talk about don't, don't really know the root cause of it. <laughs> that, that was, you might uh, want to figure that out. You know, everything you just said right there, that was it, Luke. That was the thing that I, I latched on to. Really don't know the root cause of it. I mean, Chris, look at me right now. <laughs> you really don't know? You're on that bench too, right? I just right, exactly. You really don't know what the root cause of that was? You know, has this been percolating? Has it? I I would imagine to some degree, yes, is the answer on that. To your point, did he just did did Kyle just suddenly turn and start yelling at Rudy Gobert? Why was he yelling Duffle. at Rudy Gobert? Why? Uh, and then on the other side of this game, you have LeBron James. You can tell he's fired up to play Minnesota. You get Minnesota next. What does that mean to you? That we get Minnesota next. That's all. We prep. We start playoff prep tomorrow for them. And um, man, we get ready for Tuesday. So you have, you have LeBron going into robot mode. Which, yes. you know, I mean, look, it, it, it has worked for him in the past. And then you have Minnesota. They're all just running around punching each other or things yes. and getting uh, too emotional, as their head coach But said. for me, and I was talking about this earlier right now, for me, basically, it's the first-round matchup. I realize the play, we got to get the play-in games here. we got to get that. But for me, the first-round matchup that I'm really interested in, the Sacramento Kings, the three versus the six, the Golden State Warriors in the West, that to me, I'm Fascinated by that. Uh, here's Draymond Green talking about that matchup. They're a very good team. Obviously, very well coached. Um, I have a lot of young talent. They're, you know, they play with great pace, um, great force, getting downhill and kicking the shooters. So, you know, it's be a tough challenge, but every playoff series is. So, just got to go in, execute what we know we need to execute. How much floor cred do you think the Golden State Warriors have? <laughs> I love they have a lot. They have all of it. Uh, how much floor cred do you think the Sacramento Kings have? Uh, not in the playoffs. They don't have any. I mean, all season long, we all were waiting for the Kings to lose their crown, if you know what I mean. That did not happen. What do you what mean? in the postseason? If I know what you mean. That's not like the most abstract analogy anybody's <laughs> ever made. I want to see Suns Warriors at some point in these playoffs. So 
Uh, and I'm not saying that like, oh, the Suns would obviously mop the floor. with. The-. I'm not saying that. I just want to see Suns Warriors at some point in the playoffs, which would obviously have, now have to be the third round. Uh, all right, we come back. Back over to football. Mel Kuyper Jr. releasing his most recent mock draft. He's got the Cardinals making three picks in the first two rounds. I really like one of them, but he also has them obviously making a trade. We'll get into that next. It's Wolf and Luke on Arizona Sports, the local sports leader.